Hello and welcome to another episode of Coaching Chaos. I'm super excited about the things I want to share with you today. My heart is full and bursting. And again, just as I'm about to give up or feel like I'm just too busy or no one is listening or something like that, I remember my purpose. I do not want to be a pinball in the pinball machine bouncing all over the place, reactionary, and I've started this podcast for that reason alone, and it has helped and changed me so much. And I pray that these words, as they may inspire you and prompt or change you and direct you for for good, that you might share these words. And The reason I'm specifically saying that today is because of our role as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is to bring others to the knowledge of the gospel and to have them recognize that this is our Savior's church and that it is here on this earth and It is our responsibility to bring others here on this earth and those who have gone before. So reading Hearts Bound Together by April 2005 by Elder Eyring, he says, if you can imagine the day that you meet are the savior, you will have that interview. He paid the price of the sins of you and all of Heavenly Father's children. He is. Jehovah. He has trusted you by letting you hear the gospel in your lifetime, giving you the chance to accept the obligation to offer it to those of your ancestors who did not have your priceless opportunity. And so that right there is what I read this morning and said, yep, I need to continue forth with my podcast and not worry about it. Just trust that someone is hearing these words today and appreciating them and feeling closer to our father in heaven elder Irene continues think of the gratitude he will have for those who pay the price in work and faith to find the names of their ancestors and who love them and him enough to offer them eternal life in families the greatest of all the gifts of god He offered them an infinite sacrifice. He will love and appreciate any effort we put forward. So this is my effort, and it has also inspired me to look into my family tree and dig a little bit deeper. My family have been members for generations and generations back to the beginning of the restoration of the church pioneers and Jeff's family also have ancestors that came came to the valley from Nauvoo but then there was that broken link of someone falling away in his direct line and it wasn't until probably a hundred years later that missionaries found Jeff's parents and they were converts and they were baptized in the 70s And we are actually in touch with the missionary who did baptize and bring Jeff's family into the church. And I know that he loves seeing 
the pictures of our children and them as missionaries and then seeing pictures of those that they have brought into the church who are also now serving missions. That work is a continuous chain. And by bringing one soul unto him, we have begun a new generation of members of the church. And it is a wonderful thing to witness. As you decide to act upon the instruction to bring others into this gospel, sometimes it will be difficult. It's either difficult to find them who are living and it's difficult to find those names of those who have passed on. But Elder Eyring says we owe our existence to those whom we will again meet in the spirit world. And when we were baptized, our very own ancestors looked upon us with hope. Perhaps after centuries, they rejoiced to see one of their descendants make a covenant to find them and to offer them freedom. And in our reunion with them someday, we will see the gratitude in their eyes. As others of our family search out ancestors, we will discover that many have already been offered full blessings of the temple. And so that is my situation. I have a difficult time wanting to do family history because I think, oh, it's all done. But invariably, I will look upon an aunt, a distant aunt, and each of her children, and I will find one person even that hasn't had all of it done. And then I click on that and I find that their name has already been reserved. It is frustrating. And he says, Elder Iring, you will be tempted to stop and leave the hard work of finding for others who are more expert or has more time in their life. But he says, you will feel a tug on your heart to go on in this work as hard as it will be. We will know. We will know when we need to continue in the time and when it's presented to us. But I love when he said, you will feel a tug on your heart. I know that feeling. The tug on my heart is to share my testimony in this podcast. Each time I think about not having enough time or just tired of doing it, I get rejuvenated. I get a new sense of purpose and I continue forward. Now, I've been reading also in Joseph Smith history and I have read this morning about how Joseph and Emma met and I know that the day that they met I know that the day that Joseph was introduced to Jesus Christ from our Heavenly Father to hear him when he had his vision of those two heavenly beings I know that we all applauded We were all excited that this was the beginning of a new chapter in the history of the world. And just like we applauded for that moment, I'm pretty darn sure that when my husband and I met, our children applauded. Like, ah, yes, it's finally happened. It is getting ready for our time to come to this earth. 
And I'm reading about Joseph and Emma and their hardships and trials and everything that Emma went through. She was a courageous and beautiful and strong woman. And her parents did not approve of their marriage, but they eloped. And I think about the heartbreak her parents must have felt. They did not have Joseph's vision. They did not have a testimony or an understanding or a belief. So I'm sure it was very difficult to let their beautiful daughter go to this man who was penniless and who claimed to have a gold book. I think about that and I have pain for them because I know as I see my children take off somewhere that I'm hesitant about, I just, I just cry inside in worry. But Emma, she was not only a, lot, a wife, but she, she gave birth to nine, she had nine children, and then she had two that she adopted, and she lost six of them at birth or as toddlers. But this did not ever stop her from serving others, taking care of people in her home in Nauvoo, when they were so ill. I can't remember what the illness was, but I remember her being up night and day with them as she was helping them to heal. And she served as Relief Society president for the church. She wrote hymns. She was Joseph's scribe at one time. And while Joseph was in Liberty Jail, I love her words. I still live and am yet willing to suffer more if it be the will of kind heaven that I should for your sake. So how can we support our own spouses in just the way that Emma did? She was such an example. She forgot about herself and always went to work. She prayed for Joseph. She wrote him love letters. She took care of his needs and others' needs whenever she could. I know that she was filled with gratitude when he returned home and that he was safe. She never gave up. While he was on this earth, she stood at his side. She had 23 years of pain and losses. Now, I'm not sure about 23 years. That was just a note that I had. But I know that as she bore through him, through all of the that they went through, she stood by his side. I think about when my husband and I met and we visited with Elder Kikuchi after he, <clears throat> after he spoke at Riggs College, he met with us and he said, oh, celestial couple. And I was so embarrassed because we were not engaged. We were just barely dating. But that's what he said when he, he first met us and he shook our hand. So I went and looked into some of his conference talks and I found one called Daughter of God. And he says, how much do you treat and honor her as a daughter of God? Let's stop and think of your lovely companion. She was entrusted to you by Heavenly Father as a special daughter of God. He says, I believe that in this lifetime, the closest person or neighbor that you can have in your life is your sweet wife. She is your sweetheart. She is your love. She is your best friend. She is your lover. She is a daughter of God. Something 
that Elder Kikuchi saw in us was celestial. And times when it has been very, very difficult, I think about that man called of God, how he recognized something special in us before we were even engaged. We were just, we were not even official in our dating. We just went to this fireside at Rick's College together. And we wanted to meet him and we went up to meet him. And as we met with him, that's what he said. Ah, oh, celestial couple. I'll never forget that. Oh, I was embarrassed. But he says in a marriage, we need to have the spirit of Abraham. When the Lord told Abraham to offer his only son, Isaac, on Mount Moriah, Abraham took Isaac, two servants, and a donkey and built an altar. And on the way, Isaac asked, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Father Abraham knew that Isaac was the one. He said, my son, God will provide. When the time came, Abraham was willing to offer Isaac, and Isaac did not run. Brothers and sisters, in our marriages, we both need the commitment of Abraham and the spirit of Isaac. We do not run. And we be as Abraham in trust. Excuse me. He also shared a story in this from Daughter of God, April 1988. Elder George Q. Cannon served in Hawaii. And he was inspired to go to Lahaina on Maui. And as he approached this town, two ladies went running into a nearby house and brought out a local gentleman. The previous night, this man had a dream that a messenger of God was coming to this town and that he must feed him. Well, he ultimately joined the church and as did his wife. His name was Jonathan Napela, who was a very educated man and he was the magistrate in that district. They became close friends. Years later, Kitty, the wife of Jonathan, contracted leprosy. At this time, there was no cure for this, and they had to send them to another part of the island. She was beautiful and noble in the as many of the women in the early days of, of the church. And yet when she contracted this disease, they had to for, force, force these people to another seashore. And the sailors, as they took these people over to this island of leprosy, they just pushed them off the ship and then they had to, or pushed them off the boat and they had to swim to shore because they were too afraid of themselves and contracting it. So Jonathan would not allow his wife to go alone. So he went to, he took her hand and they went there together. Why would he do this? Because he loved her so much. He understood enough of the gospel and of eternal life that she was his companion. He says, oh, how much do I love my wife? Oh, do I love her as a daughter of God, as, as, God, loves, as God loves her? Would I be willing to go to a place like that to be with her? Yes. And Elder Kikuchi says, would you be willing to demonstrate your pure love to your, your spouse, your companion like Jonathan? Climb a boat with a terminal disease and live your days in isolation. Elder Kikuchi says, brethren, are we honoring our companions? Are we caring? Are we thoughtful enough? We must be because God has joined us together.
ultimately, Jonathan too did contract the disease and he actually died two years before she did. He was a giant in the gospel, in the pure love of Christ for his own people. And he did much to provide assistance through the government for the lepers to have it be more of a comfortable place to live and to ultimately to die. Elder Kikuchi says, Oh, husbands, love your wives as daughters of God, even as Christ also the church and gave himself for it. Love your wife, even though she may be a leper. I remember when Jeff and I first met, we had been dating for several weeks and we eventually got engaged as we found out before we were even official that we were a celestial couple. And it was that time that we knew that we were to stand by one another through any difficulty and hardship and oh, we have seen them. But when we went to Washington State that first Christmas together before we were married to meet his family, we stopped in at his grandma's first and then I met her, Melva. And then as we left and headed to Jeff's home, Melva calls Joyce, my at that time future mother-in-law and tells her that I was just plain. Joyce, I don't know that I would have married Jeff had I known the hardship and, and frustration that I experienced in those early years of our marriage and the way that she treated me as her first daughter-in-law. When I took Jeff to meet my family, they loved Jeff immediately, but we were going through such terrible circumstances as my dad had left our home. My mom said to Jeff, oh good, finally a real man in the house. And he fixed a toilet seat. And he carried my sleeping brother to the car from grandpa's house. And he went shopping with me to get clothes for my little sister, Brittany, both my siblings who are now 42 and 40. But each time over the years, as we have gone to my mom's house, Jeff is always assigned to fix or repair something. And even though Jeff's mom struggled with me, I think over time she saw my determination to stand by him as we had been through our own heartaches and trials. And finding out that Jeff was diabetic and all of the back surgeries that he has had and the occupation that he has been determined to carry in college athletics has kept him away from our home a lot. The sacrifice that we have put forth for his career has been great, but it has been worth it. And I'm so grateful that we have stood by each other, even though the examples of our own parents' marriage, both of them ending in divorce, was a difficult thing to start our own marriage with not having a strong foundation. But we were determined And I I think and I hope that if I were ever to be a leper, that Jeff would love me anyway. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Coach and Chaos. And I hope that you will share these words. We stand by each other and we support one another and we bring souls unto Christ. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Shari Reynolds.